Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Apocalypse. Nothing personal. Word of the day, September 10th, 2020. Apocalypse. It feels like we're sort of in apocalyptic times, doesn't it? So much stuff is going on. There's COVID. There's hurricanes. There's fires. There's locusts. There's hail. Smiting of the firstborn. All those movies about apocalypses, they all sort of look the same, right? They have this, uh, you, you look in the cinematography in a movie about the apocalypse, like the zombie movies, everything looks a little more gray, but then once in a while, there are these different hues of red and orange, and it just looks incredibly unreal, right? Like, this is what you would think the apocalypse looks like, even though we've never had an apocalypse, but if we were to have one, this is what it would be. Did you see the picture? Why is this the word of the day, you're asking? Good question. Did you see the picture in San Francisco where the Niners were trying to practice and what their sky looked like in Frisco? That red, smoky, I think that's the fire. There's fires going on in California. If you're there, I hope you're safe. And please thank a fireman and everybody trying to be helpful. There's a rumor that these fires may have started from a gender reveal. I'm not that old-fashioned. I do a lot of cool stuff. I try to act young and look young. And I got to tell you what's funny. When you're having kids... The gender reveal was like a Hershey's bar. It's a, and if it's a he, it would be the H-E of Hershey's. If it's a she, it would be the S-H-E of Hershey's. That was the gender reveal. Or maybe you wouldn't even do a gender reveal. You'd wait for the thing to pop out. You say, hey, that looks like a, ooh, that, is that a boy? Oh, good luck, David. That's a gender reveal. Now they do all these stunts. They show baseball players taking a bat and hitting a ball and out of the ball comes blue powder or pink powder. People are throwing water balloons and out comes blue or pink. By the way, in today's society with the he, the she, and the they pronouns, does pink and blue, could that be offensive to some? Anyway, it looks pretty apocalyptic because of the fire that may or may not have been started by a gender reveal. And the Niners were having a practice because dun, da, 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 it's football season. <sighs> There's a game tonight, an actual game. The defending Super Bowl champions open the season tonight, the Kansas City Chiefs. But the Niners have a game Sunday, and there is a question as to whether or not the Niners will be able to play. Now, hold on. Can you just imagine for one second all of the work that's been done for football to be back 
and for sports to be back. The excitement of having the NHL playoffs, the NFL season happening, Major League Baseball in its pennant run, the NBA conference finals happening, or the end of the conference semifinals. All of this is going on. Soccer starting, MLS, EPL. All these COVID protections and restrictions and bubbles, all this talk. Can you imagine if the NFL has to postpone a game and it's not because of COVID, but because of what they are calling in San Francisco as the required air quality in order to have a game? So air quality is measured by a number. Don't ask me what it is or why it is or how it's measured. I'm not a scientist. Don't even play one on TV. I just know that the air quality can be anything between zero and 200. Maybe it's the air bad quality that that's the ranking. But if it's at 200, you can't play. The air quality for yesterday's practice was 69. I'm talking about the air quality. Get your mind out of the gutter. So that was fine. By the way, if 69 is fine, which it may be and often is, how is it that 200 is even the number because it looked pretty crappy at 69. There was like ash in the air. I wonder if 200 means that it's just a shutdown. It's like a snowstorm, except it's ash. So now the NFL has to worry not about positive COVID tests only, but now they're worrying about the wildfires in California. So it begs the question for me, how much preparation is a league supposed to do? You spend months thinking about every possible thing that could happen with COVID, with hurricanes. You make contingency plans. You have booklets in place, what to do with your ballpark in case of a hurricane what to do in case of COVID, where to isolate. Is the NFL preparing for the possibility of postponements? NFL postponements are not like baseball postponements. There will not be a three-quarters doubleheader in football where you play two games in a day. Never going to happen. You can't play an extra game during the week. You don't play on a Wednesday, then a Sunday. If the NFL loses games, they're going to have to play during a bye week or extend the season by a week, get rid of the week in between. Is there still two weeks between the conference, uh, um, between the championships, NFC, COCA? Is there, are there still two weeks between the NFC championship and the Super Bowl and the AFC championship? Sometimes there's one week, sometimes there's two weeks. If there's two weeks this year in the schedule, they can push back games and make it only a one-week difference between the championships and the Super Bowl. All of that's possible. And the NFL has the benefit like it's had throughout this pandemic. They've gotten to watch what other sports have done. They've seen the NBA bubble and NHL bubble work. They've seen what MLB has done and how it didn't work. Then they strengthened their protocols. Then it did work. Now it is working. The NFL worked in an extra week of schedule, schedule flexibility by having those two weeks between the championship and the Super Bowl. There was talk early on, could the Super Bowl be moved? It's in Tampa this year. And I said, there's no way, way too complicated to get all those hotel rooms. 
at a delayed date, even though the NFL is saying they can. So there's not much margin for error with the NFL. So they probably did learn from MLB. And what they learned is they are going to be incredibly strict about testing and isolating. But I also think they learned that if there's a positive test from an asymptomatic person, they may let that person play. Or they don't let that one person play, but everyone else can play. Sort of like in baseball when only one person tests positive and they stop it from becoming 5, 10, or 20, like happened with the Cardinals and Marlins outbreak. What the NFL has to avoid is any possible big outbreak within a team because it's not like you have a 60-player pool. In football, you've got, I think, maybe a 53-man roster. But if you lose 20 of those guys, you're not having a football game. It's not like, hey, you're in right field now. You're playing left field. Hey, you think you're a first baseman? We're going to need you to play third. Hi, I know you're an offensive lineman, but today, just today, congratulations, you are a cornerback. Oh, yes, you're the running back? No, no, you're the quarterback today. Not going to happen. I think the NFL is going to learn. I just would find it to be so 2020 if the apocalypse actually happens and a game is postponed because of air quality and fire in California. Come on, enough of those gender reveals. We don't want an apocalypse. What's the name of that bear, Coca? Was it Yogi Bear or is that Yogi Berra? I think there was a character when I was a kid named Yogi Bear who would do commercials about forest fires. And Yogi Bear would always say, um, you know, he would be like John Candy from Vacation. He would say, you know, don't, don't. He would, oh, he was Smokey the Bear. <laughs> I thought it was Yogi the Bear, but that's Yogi Berra. Are Yogi's a cartoon character, Yogi Bear? Coke, are you sure it was Smokey the Bear? Although that would make sense because Smokey the Bear wanted you to prevent forest fires. And he would be dressed, I think, in a hat. And he had like, he looked like a Boy Scout. There's no doubt I could be mistaking what I'm thinking because that's how the brain works when you're two and a half scores in. Well, try to prevent forest fires because we don't want the apocalypse because I'm only going to use that word of the day one time. Okay, I want to switch gears now and talk about basketball. We had a hiring. Everyone be quiet because we've had a coach's hiring. Yes, we know about firings after the season, but there's been a hiring. A man named Steve Nash has been hired to coach the Brooklyn Nets. Have you heard of Steve Nash? Steve Nash played for the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. One of the great point guards of all time. Phenomenal. I think he played with Dirk Nowitzki for quite a while. Steve Nash has never coached a day in his life. Always been a player. Then when he retired, didn't think he was going to coach, didn't know what he wanted to do. He called up the GM of the Nets, whose name is Sean Marks, and said, I'm interested if you're interviewing. One thing led to another. One interview led to two. Bing, bang, boom. Steve Nash has been hired. No sooner did Steve Nash get hired that certain people in the media said, look, another example of white privilege. How could Steve Nash be hired with no experience when there are so many African-American candidates, minority candidates, so many people with more experience, more qualified? Nothing's getting better. There was an outcry. 
As someone who's hired a bunch of managers, I have said it. I'm going to say it one more time, maybe more because we do an episode every day. We hire the best people for the job. I don't care what your color is. If you're not qualified, you're not being hired. If you are qualified, you're going to be hired. I don't care if you're white, brown, purple, pink, or red. Can you manage a game? You think the Brooklyn Nets are in a position where they're going to purposely hire a white person or a black person or a brown person or a purple person or a red person? They need to win games. They've got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They haven't done anything. You bring in a player like Steve Nash, who's won the MVP twice, been to the All-Star game probably seven or eight times, one of the best all-time players, who was a coach while he was on the court. Times are different. The days of putting in 10 years an assistant coach, working your way up the ranks, those days are gone. Like in baseball. The days of being a minor league coach, working your way up from single A to double A to triple A, then being a coach at the major league level, and then becoming a manager, gone. First time managers, former players, it's happening all the time. We did it with Joe Girardi, Aaron Boone, Alex Cora. I could go on, but then I'd have to think of others, but there are. That doesn't mean Alex Cora did not get the job in Boston Although he had been the bench coach in Houston, by the way. But my point stays the same. He did not have managerial experience. Aaron Boone had none. Steve Nash had none. Why is it because of what's going on today? I acknowledge the systemic racism and the social inequality. I acknowledge there's not enough diversity anywhere and It happens when you educate kids and you teach them that they can be anything and you give them the base and explain that you're not going to make your living on the court. You can make it off the court. Stay in school, do your work, get the job that you want. But it takes time. Steve Nash wasn't pulled out of thin air. But he was put in a position where he was on the defense from the first second he was hired. Having to explain away the fact that he was hired, had to almost apologize. And so he did. He had to admit that he's benefited from white privilege. I've admitted to you that I've benefited from white privilege. That doesn't mean that I'm either racist or that I'm not racist. Recognizing your lot in life is about self-evaluation. Recognizing that you may get the benefit of a doubt because of your color and that makes you work less hard, you are not going to get anywhere. Steve Nash is deserving of a chance to coach. He's not deserving of keeping his job as head coach of the Brooklyn Nets don't do well. Believe me, Steve Nash, you are going to get fired in your coaching career. I guarantee it. They fire white coaches, they fire black coaches, and they fire brown coaches and purple coaches and red coaches. This is a results business. Yet we are in a society right now where we are forced to defend ourselves even when we did nothing wrong. He interviewed for the job, and in the minds of the owners and of the GM, Sean Marks, he was the best person for the job. But still, he had to say, 
that I'm not saying his position was a factor as far as white privilege. I think as white people, we have to understand we have a certain privilege and a benefit by the color of our skin in our communities. We have a long way to go to find equality and social and racial justice. I hope that I'm a great ally in that cause. Steve Nash has been an ally in that cause his entire life. The reason why you didn't get Steve Nash to say that he was hired simply because of his color is because that is BS. It's horse hockey. Are we going to be at a point where anyone who's hired who's not a person of color has to defend himself and anyone who's hired who is a person of color doesn't necessarily have to be qualified? That's an insult to the qualified people of color who deserve jobs. You want to take issue with people, you take issue with owners and presidents who are racist and hire incompetent people no matter their color. Organizations are bending over backwards. And when is it too much? Word came out yesterday about the Academy Awards. Did you read that? Academy Awards have new rules about who can be nominated for Best Picture starting like in 2024. They have to satisfy one of four criteria. You have to have a person of a minority in a supporting actor or above role in your movie. Certain percentage in the crew, etc. In order to be considered to be a Best Picture candidate. Do you know what that becomes when you do things like that? It becomes a check the box. It becomes a worksheet that a producer has to make sure is filled out before production happens. We need 30% of this. We need 5% of that. When we were building Marlins Park, we promised to have minority business involvement. We promised that we would have not just minority-owned business, also women. We had to submit to the county every subcontractor for the ballpark, and we had to categorize them. There was never a moment where we would give a contract to a company not deserving because they were minority-owned. There was a time when we had to give a contract to minority-owned businesses to make sure we were at the right percentage, and it was at a price that was not competitive. It brings up a fascinating question. Should you be forced to make a hire of a company that's more expensive, buy a product that's more expensive, a service that's more expensive, a coach who's less qualified? How far do we go? Is it suitable If companies are literally saying, oh, this is something else we have to do. Is that furthering the cause for equality? Not to me. Not to me. When we come back, we're going to talk about a movie that you cannot believe. We have some baseball to talk. There can't be a show without J-Lo. J-Lo is in the So You Want to Talk to Samson today. But when we come back, we're going to talk about Charlie Kaufman. Don't go away. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. 
With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome back to Nothing Personal here on September 10th, 2020. We are at the review portion of the show because you know I watch a movie every day. Or a TV show. A new movie came out on Netflix. And I need to give you a warning. The warning is this movie is incredibly bizarre. And if you like bizarre, then you're going to like this movie. If you like thinking about movies, if you like not really understanding every part of your movie that you're watching, if you like talking about movies when they're dumb but can only talk about it with people who have seen it because if you haven't seen it, there's no way you can understand what in the hell just happened. Have you ever heard of being John Malkovich? Go see it. Have you ever heard of Syndicate, New York? Go see it. Ever heard of Adaptation with Nicolas Cage? Go see it. Ever heard of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Go see it. What do they have in common? Someone named Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman has a new movie out that he directed and he adapted from a book. It's called, as only Charlie Kaufman could, although that's the name of the book. I'm thinking of ending things. Interesting use of the verb to think. I'm thinking of ending things doesn't mean you thought about it. It's not the past tense. It's not the future tense. I will think about ending things. I'm thinking is a, I can't remember now whether it's an active verb or a passive verb, but someone will correct me and I will correct it on the show because it's not going to be coca. But I'm thinking means I'm in the process. Ending what? Ending your life? Ending your relationship? It stars a guy named... Jesse Plemons, who I know from Breaking Bad. I think he played somebody, he was in the El Camino movie as well, someone who holds Jesse prisoner. Anyway, let's talk about what this movie's about very briefly. Okay, there you go. No, in all seriousness, this is based on a book that was actually some sort of horror book because of a way and someone dies, but that's not a spoiler alert. It's a movie about a, uh, a man who is on a road trip to visit his parents and he goes with his girlfriend and the girlfriend talks to herself and you hear in the movie what's going on in her head while she's with her boyfriend and that she's only going with her boyfriend to see her boyfriend's parents because she's about to break up with her boyfriend. So she knows that he'll never meet her parents and this will be the end of the line. Pun intended. Multiple meanings intended. Tony Collette is in the movie. Plays the mother. Everything seems slow and ordinary. And then they get to the parents' house and all of a sudden the parents are young and then they're old and then they're young. And then she's got pearls on, then no pearls, then a different dress, then a different coat. And you're thinking, whoever was in charge of continuity on this movie must have been on shrooms. How could they have missed these mistakes? And then you think, wait, it's a Charlie Kaufman movie. Could this be on purpose? There's no way this is insane. And then you realize, oh my God, 
all of it was on purpose. He was leaving breadcrumbs from minute one of the movie about what was going to happen later in the movie and explaining everything that was going on. If you watch I'm Thinking of Any Things and you say that you understood the movie first time through from start to finish, you know what you are? A liar. Check it out. It's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. If you're a Charlie Kaufman fan, this is one of his best works and every work he does is better than the last. Coca, can you hear that fan or you're okay? Sounds still good? Hoping it's still good. I'm a little schwitzy. I'm thinking of ending things, Charlie Kaufman. Okay. Uh, hey, all of Coca's friends and everyone else, nothing personal pick of the day. Are you winning? Are you winning? Because we're 16 and 10. I told you the Raptors would force a game seven. Predicted that. That series was going to go seven. Raptors Celtics finishes up Friday night. What a game. Double overtime. I wanted it to end quickly because the Raptors were covering and I wanted to win, but I'm really glad that a game seven happened because we predicted that. But I'm going to get out of basketball because I've got for you today in the nothing personal pick of the day, the absolute guarantee grand slam can't lose. No doubt in my mind pick. You're going to think it's bizarre because this team has been playing like crap. There is absolute panic everywhere in New York. Could the Yankees miss the playoffs? Well, the Yankees start a season with the Orioles, a series with the Orioles tonight. They're only a game and a half up on the Orioles for the eighth and final playoff seed. The Yankees finally won a game. They're 6-15 and 15 in their last 21 games. They beat the Blue Jays in the series finale last night. Not one of the crazy games in baseball where the Brewers won 19 to nothing over the Tigers and the Braves won 29 to nine. Yes, that's right. 29 runs over the Marlins. My pick of the day is that Garrett Cole and the Yankees are guaranteed to beat the Orioles tonight. And when I say guaranteed, let me tell you how serious I am. And Coke and I had an argument about this, but I'm telling you, if the Yankees lose this game, I will do a nothing personal episode next week in my swimsuit. Because if the Yankees lose, they will be swimming upstream in a way that would make a salmon blush. I'll literally wear a swimsuit. You'll see it. Just a swimsuit. I'll stand up, show you my swimsuit. I'll sit here and do a show. Bare naked except for a swimsuit. If the Yankees lose. But they won't. They got Garrett Cole going. So you're going to be stuck with next week's blazers and shirts. In order, of course. Yankees, nothing personal pick of the day. All right, Coca, we got J-Lo. Someone's asking about J-Lo. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. Well, thank you for wanting to talk to me. Get on Twitter at David P. Samson. Please follow. Ask any questions in the direct messages. I'll try to get to as many as I can. This was a good one. Very interesting topic for me. You discussed J-Lo being a control person today. This person must have asked the question after yesterday's show because I did discuss. I think I let off yesterday's show with J-Lo wanting to be a control person for the New York Mets and me telling you no chance. What about Justin Timberlake trying to own a team in Nashville? Does his involvement help? Thanks for asking. So, Nashville. Isn't that like where Kid Rock has a bar and where there's a football team? and a hockey team, and a triple-A baseball team? 
What are you talking about? Well, Nashville is trying to get a major league team. A while ago, they announced that not just Dave Stewart, a former player, was involved in the group, but also they hired Dave Dombrowski, the former GM of the Marlins, former GM of the Tigers and Red Sox, that he was joining that group as a consultant because God knows he knows how to build a winning team. Now word came out that Jessica Beal's husband wants to be a part of the group. I didn't think that Justin Timberlake, the guy who played Sean Parker in the social network, he does a tour. Sometimes he sings. He was part of a band. I think, I think he was in Menudo or was it? Uh, no, it definitely not Menudo in sync or the Backstreet Boys. I'm not sure. He was in one of those bands. Then he had a solo career, unbelievably talented. He actually went public acknowledging the fact that he is joining the group trying to bring Major League Baseball to Nashville. He actually said, this is good, the thought of combining music and baseball is a natural. A natural what? Laxative? What's natural about combining music and baseball? Oh, I know. When Jay-Z bought into the Nets, they won a championship. What? There's nothing natural about it. If Justin Timberlake, you want to make an investment into a team, fine. If Nashville thinks that MLB is going to get a team sooner rather than later because you, Justin Timberlake, or Jessica Biel, by the way, Jessica Biel came to a Marlins game one day with a bunch of her girlfriends. We had her sit in the, in the batter's box at Pro Player Stadium. Got a chance to meet her. Pleasant, very nice. If you want good seats like that, just say you're Justin Timberlake or Jessica Biel and you get good seats. Trust me. And maybe even a visit from the team president and maybe even a free hot dog. But if you think that a player is going to sign with Nashville because you own the team, or if you think that MLB is going to grant an expansion team to Nashville because you're in the group, it doesn't move the needle by a millimeter. Do you know what moves the, t- the millimeter needle by a How about building a stadium? How about negotiating a TV deal and getting a waiting list of between 10 and 15,000 season ticket holders? Now that would help Nashville. But none of that matters because expansion in baseball cannot happen, even though we've covered this on the show, even though owners want the money from expansion, they've got to figure out Tampa and Oakland Stadium situations first. They've got to leave Nashville open as a possible relocation city, not as an expansion city. Once any relocation or stadiums take place in Oakland and Tampa, Nashville certainly is a candidate. It's in the right geographic location. There is a long line of teams who have had celebrity limited partners thinking that it would help move the needle, either with baseball, either with front offices, either with commissioner's office, either with fans. And it's never been accurate. When we sit around at owners meetings, presidents meetings, phone calls, when we talk to each other and we look at who limited partners are, that's like saying that there was an advantage to Derek Jeter's bid because Michael Jordan is a limited partner. The owners who needed to vote for that transfer of ownership from Jeffrey Lurie to Bruce Sherman could not have cared less that Michael Jordan was a limited partner in the Marlins. Literally not interested. Didn't matter. What's the price? What's your operating plan? 
I just find it all to be rather funny. But thanks for asking that question. Justin Timberlake trying to own a team in Nashville, his involvement of zero help and of zero consequence. Okay. Ooh. Here's a little business thing I want to talk about. I got a tweet yesterday from someone. His name is Don Murray. I think he's a writer for the Sports Business Journal. I saw a tweet, or maybe it was a reply to a tweet I'd sent, or maybe it was a direct message. I actually can't remember. And there was an article I wanted to draw your attention to, and I wanted to explain. It's called The Authentic Business. And it was an article that the Atlanta Braves' authentic business is up 30% this year. So I wanted to tell you what that is. You know when a home run is hit and it's not caught by a fan and the team gets it, and then there is a member of the commissioner's office who goes to every game and his job is to be the authenticator. He puts a little sticker on a ball or any other piece of game-used equipment authenticating that piece of equipment. So if Ronald Acuna hits a home run, the ball gets retrieved, The authenticator sees the ball get retrieved, watches the ball being brought to him because he's in the stands watching. So there's never a break in the chain of custody of that ball. He then logs the ball, puts a sticker on. You can then go on the Google web and you can look up that serial number and it will say Ronald Acuna home run ball from September 9th, 2020, eighth inning off John Cocktoasting. What teams do with those balls, guess what? They sell them. They sell them to make money. Sometimes they sell them online in an auction. Sometimes they sell them in the team store. The way the business works is this. When you buy a jersey at your team store in your ballpark or at a satellite store at, an air, at your team's local airport or at a store they may have in the city, of those proceeds go to your local team. When you go on your team's website like braves.com and you buy a jersey, that revenue is split 130th. The Braves get 130th that revenue. Yes, every time you buy a judge jersey, the Mets get 130th of that. So we would take our authentic bases We would get bases authenticated. We get bats authenticated, balls authenticated, jerseys authenticated, everything. We would put stuff in the team store and sell it. But when you don't have a lot of attendance, you don't have a lot of activity in your team store. You cannot charge a lot of money because not enough eyeballs are seen it. You get more money when you put it online. But do you get 30 times more? Generally not. Do you get the math of 30 times more? This year is a total cluster duck because there are no fans in the ballpark, which means team stores in your ballpark are empty. Yes, like a Marlins game when I was there. That was, I put that joke on a tee for you. So the reason why the authentic business is different is that nothing's being sold in team stores. For teams who want to sell their authentic balls, bats, jerseys, etc., they're putting it online. 
But then the Braves came out and said their revenue is up 30%. What confuses me about that is that are they saying their gross revenue or their net revenue? Gross revenue means that they're now selling more dollars. Net means they're not getting as much down to their bottom line because they don't get to keep as much. When you just say revenue's up 30% or business is up 30%, there is never a more meaningless statement that you could make to someone. Hey, my revenue's up 30%. My expenses are up 45%, but my revenue's up 30. Yay. What's your net revenue up? Talk to me about net. Don't ever talk gross to me. Gross is gross. I don't care about gross. Gross is disgusting. Gross revenue is up 17%. How did the business do in the cash department? The Milwaukee Brewers in that same article acknowledged that their authentic business is down. It's possible that the Braves are down too, but it's a good story. I used to love making announcements like that. Yes, attendance was up 17%. Well, when you've got five people and then one more person comes, guess what? You don't announce attendance of six. You say attendance this year was up 20% from five to six. I can play the percentage game like the best of them. And when percentages don't work, you find another way to say a mathematical number, an equation that makes you look better than you are. It's a fagazi. It's an important revenue stream because people love, have you been seeing what's going on in the memorabilia industry? It's totally insane. From Mike Trout's rookie card to anything game used, people are all over it. It's like they don't want to be in the stock market. They don't want to buy bonds. They don't want to put the money in their mattress. They don't want to put the money in the bank. So they want to buy stuff to look at, not a Picasso. Instead, they're going to buy an Acuna. Well, good luck to all the teams. I love game use stuff. I think it's cool. But don't listen to articles when they give you numbers and you don't have context. You are being manipulated. You ever been to a store? All items 50% off and you're all excited. Oh my God, this is the biggest sale ever. Have you ever asked the question, 50% off what? If it's a $5 item and they decide that they're going to charge for five months that item for $10 and then slash it back to $5, they can say, hey, this is 50% off. And you'd say, hey, it's only a $5 item. That's 0% off. That's as funny as the New York stores that have the going out of business sale. 50% off going out of business. How many years can a company be going out of business? It's like they have a permanent display in their window going out of business. All items must go. All sales final. No returns, refunds, or exchanges. I love all that stuff. Makes me smile. Anyway, that's the authentic business. Okay, let's talk some bubble stuff. This is important to me because uh, there's a bit of a disagreement going on in basketball. And there's a bit of complaining and a bit of uh, posturing. So let's talk about it. The title of this segment is a little Shakespearean. To bubble or not to bubble? That is the question. But this isn't going to be about COVID. This isn't going to be about the efficacy. This isn't going to be about 
room service food, hotels, or guests. It's not going to be about the Houston Rockets player who's in trouble. The Game 6 player's name is House or something. That's out today. He was suspended, couldn't play in Houston's game. May not be able to play tonight again when the Lakers play the Rockets again. Rumor is that he invited a COVID test taker into his room who happened to be a female. I think Yahoo's reporting that. Sorry, CBS. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know what to read into that. Do you? What would you read into a COVID tester? Hey, do you want to come in? Hey, no one's allowed in the rooms. That's rule. Like rule number one, the rooms are off limits to everyone. It's not like a P test. You go into the hallway, you get the COVID test, and you move along. How come he only invited her into his room? What about the big guy doing the COVID test? Anyway, it's just a rumor. So LeBron James went public, and when he goes public, people listen because he's EF Hutton, and he should be. He's been complaining along with their coach, Frank Vogel, one of his teammates, Rondo, the reason I didn't give you his first name is I can't remember. Rajon Rondo. Played for the Celtics for a while, now plays for the Lakers, and I think I have his name wrong. or I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. They complained yesterday about life in the bubble playing every other day. NBA, as you know, has been playing every other day. They've been doing it for a while now, and they're tired. Rondo said, I hope the NBA eventually gives us a break. Meanwhile, the Lakers got a break. You win a seven-game series in four games. You play a team that takes seven games. You get a week off. You want a break? Win a series. In non-bubble days, you're playing back-to-back games often. You're flying all the time, in and out of hotels. You've been, I agree it's lonely, but you've been in the same place for two months. Since July, I don't know, July 15th? July 8th, whatever day they came into the bubble. LeBron James saying that he's got to recover. He doesn't like playing the 9 o'clock games because the Lakers have been playing a lot at 9 o'clock. They were paired with the Bucks Heat. The Bucks Heat would play at 6.30. Lakers would play at 9. Why do you think the Lakers would play the late game, LeBron? You're not on the East Coast anymore. They don't want to play at 4 o'clock local time for, the, for your fan base. They want to play at 6 o'clock local time for your fan base. That's why. And then you're complaining because the game goes from 9 to 11.30 or 9 to 11.45, and then you've got to start getting treatment and get ready for a game that you have two days from now. I get that there's recovery time, but let me ask you this. Did you always go home and go right to bed after a game, or did you go out to dinner, maybe go out, see some friends, see some buddies? Complaining about the late starts in the bubble or playing every other day is falling on deaf ears, not just to me, but to fans around the country. And it is an exact opposition to what the general manager of the Utah Jazz, Dennis Lindsay, said yesterday when he said he and his players like the bubble so much that they want to take characteristics of the bubble and have that manifested into next season's rules, schedule, and regulations. He said staying in one place for longer is beneficial to players. Instead of getting on a plane, landing in a city, doing a walkthrough, playing a game, getting back on a plane, going to your next city, or flying back home. That sort of travel, that sort of wear and tear, that is real. It is way more beneficial to a player's health. When you ask the majority of players about this bubble that they're in, they'll talk about loneliness, despair, depression, being outside and alienated from their family, from their homes, from their friends. What they will not say is that it has had a negative impact on their bodies. 
you're not going to get enough players to agree. Now, if LeBron says it, maybe he's got that sort of power. But he doesn't. The games will be played exactly when the networks want the games to be played. The every other day will continue. But the Utah Jazz GM does not have a chance of having series. He wants there to be series played. So a team would go to a city. Let's say Utah would go to New York. Bad example. That's Western Conference, Eastern Conference. Utah would go to Denver and play Denver twice. So they could go check into the hotel, stay, play two games and leave. From a business standpoint in the NBA, it doesn't work. You're not going to have series in the NBA. In baseball, you do it because you have so many games. And even with that, there is still a competitive disadvantage sometimes when you run into teams who are hot, run into teams who are cold, run into teams who just got better from injuries, run into teams who have new injuries. We would always say throughout the season, man, we're getting lucky. We're catching teams when they're off. Or we'd say, my God, why do we have to play this team now where we face their best pitchers and they're on multiple days rest and they've won seven in a row? Baseball, by by definition, does that. Basketball, to have two games played against the same opponent two days in a row or every other day would be such a bad change to the schedule because it's not practical. And when you've got season ticket holders in basketball, they don't want to see the same teams. Basketball, much more than baseball. and baseball, you're going for the experience. Basketball, you're often going for the opponent. It's going to be interesting what happens next year, whether a bubble will continue If there's a vaccine, if they can find a way, they do not want that bubble to continue. It's not altogether healthy, but they will if they have to. The bubble will continue tonight. It's going to continue. There's going to be a uh, game seven. Raptors over Celtics, but I don't think that's tonight, Coca. That is not my pick. That is my wait to see. Sorry. Thank you, Coca. My wait to see is when I tell you things are going to happen. I told you that we were going to pick the Raptors. There was going to be a game seven. The wait to see is that the game seven winner, that's right, the Raptors are going to have a chance to defend and get back to the finals by playing the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's coming up Friday night. Tonight, you've got Rockets-Lakers. Wait to see Raptors win in seven over the Celtics. I'll get back to you if that happens. You know I will. When it comes to wait to see, No, I'm not even going to say it, Coca. I'm just going to say this is nothing personal. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify. It pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.